This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 10th of August in your Squiz Today, remembering Olivia Newton-John. The FBI searches Donald Trump's home, a national biosecurity plan, and when it's mandatory to kiss. This is your Squiz Today. Yesterday, we learned that Olivia Newton-John died peacefully in her home in California, aged 73. She was an iconic entertainer, Claire, an iconic Australian, one of the best-selling music artists of the last 50 years. Generations knew her and loved her as Sandy in Greece. Even as a kid, I remember thinking how cool it was to hear an Australian accent in a movie like that. We thought we'd get to know her a little today. Yeah, so to start at the very beginning, she was born in Cambridge in England uh, and her family moved to Melbourne when she was six years old. She was a pretty talented youngster. She appeared uh, at talent shows and on TV and it was on Johnny O'Keefe's Sing 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 that she won a talent competition and she got a ticket to the UK. It took her a bit to go there because she had a boyfriend and she was (laughs) in her late teens and she didn't really want to leave Melbourne. Uh, But she eventually got there and she slogged it out on the London music scene for quite a while. It took her a few years to move from the UK to America, but she did that. And that's when her career really took off. Of course, when we get into the late 1970s, uh, that appearance in Greece really Mm. catapulted her into superstardom. Uh, And her pop music career also took off to stratospheric heights. Uh, The 1981 mega hit physical... uh, was one of the biggest songs of the 80s. And, of course, Larissa, you know my love of 80s music, but (laughs) it was right at the top when it came to success and chart success and commercial success. Uh, On her personal life, uh, she married Matt Latanzi. They met uh, on the set of Xanadu. Together they had a daughter, Chloe. Uh, That relationship ended and in 2008 she married John Easterling. Uh, They both had a very deep interest in plant-based cancer therapy. Of course, Olivia Newton-John had cancer uh, and they worked through that together. Yeah, after her diagnosis in 1992, she became a huge advocate and philanthropist for research into the disease. We're actually going to do a Shortcuts episode on Olivia Newton-John and Judith Durham, the lead singer of The Seekers, who died last week, both iconic Australian entertainers. That'll be out on Thursday, so stand by for that. But in the meantime, tell us a couple of things people might not have known about ONJ. Okay, a couple of things. She competed for England at the Eurovision Song Contest in 1974. Uh, She came in fourth behind ABBA who won with that Waterloo. Band. Yeah, that little <laughs> known band. Uh, and probably a second thing, the iconic line in Greece uh, where she says, tell me about it, stud. Uh, it was unscripted and it really did bolster the director's belief that she was able to do not just the squeaky clean side of the character but also that transformation. It's such an iconic line. Singer and good friend John Farnham has said she was a tenacious fighter, a beautiful voice and a loyal friend there's been many many tributes flowing in for her 
To the US and former President Donald Trump has confirmed that FBI agents have made a search of his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. While authorities haven't confirmed what they're looking for, it's being reported that the raid has to do with an investigation into him unlawfully removing classified White House documents after his presidency. Yeah, so it's a requirement of presidents and administrations to hand over documents to do with their uh, time in government to the National Archives. And Trump has long been criticised about his handling of official documents. So reports say that it could have to do with an investigation into that. It could also have to do with some other investigations into him. Uh, There are several investigations into Trump's time in the White House, uh, including those efforts uh, to overturn the 2020 election result. Um, There's other criminal and civil cases being pursued as well. Uh, What happened with the FBI raid is an unprecedented move against a former president, uh, particularly one who's saying that they're going to take a run at the next election. Yeah, it's unleashed a bit of a political storm in the US. Trump has called the raid not necessary or appropriate. He says it's an attack by the radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. Attention is on the politics in the Solomon Islands again, this time because Prime Minister Manasseh Sogavare has put forward a bill to delay the next election. The Solomons are due to hold both the Pacific Games and an election next year, and Sogavare says the country can't do both, but his critics aren't impressed. No, they're not impressed. Uh, They're not impressed that an election that comes around every four years could be delayed. Uh, The parliament is due to be dissolved in May uh, and the law in the Solomon Islands is that an election needs to be held within four months of that. Uh, So Sogavare's move to delay democracy is really concerning, particularly to the opposition parties. Uh, Also, the games are set to go ahead in preference over the election because China has resourced uh, a fair bit of the running of the games. It's donating seven stadiums and venues and they're currently being built by Chinese companies. Uh, Also, Australia confirmed yesterday a $17 million contribution for those games, which puts us behind China, but we're certainly chipping in. Changing the election date would actually mean changing the constitution. The bill would push the dissolution of parliament back to December 31 and an election would then need to be held within four months. The bill is likely to be voted on next month, so stand by for that one. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. Biosecurity has been a bit of a topic lately with the outbreak of foot and mouth disease in neighbouring Indonesia. And now the government has unveiled the first ever national biosecurity plan. It's been agreed to by all the states and territories. Claire, what's involved? 
What's involved is a lot of coordination across the levels of government. What Murray Watt, the Agriculture Minister who announced this yesterday, says is that the current times mean uh, that more coordination is required and putting it down in a plan is something that will help all those authorities work together. Um, Australia generally is really good at biosecurity. There's a reason why we're disease-free across our major agricultural industries. But of course, it's a watching brief. It's something Mm. that needs to be monitored every single moment of every single day. So a plan, they say, is something that will help them do that. What also says that the onset of climate change, the pandemic and the rise of online shopping have created new challenges that this plan will help to meet. Here's one for new parents or baby adjacent people. If you're despairing of ever getting the hang of why your baby is crying, stay in there. News research says that with a bit of experience, you get a whole lot better at translating. <laughs> Larissa, this is one for you to really explain. You can tell <laughs> us with your real life recent experience whether this is true, but a French study has found that more than 200 participants uh, with very different levels of childcare experience, uh, they were given eight different recordings of a child crying and they were asked to try and distinguish what each cry meant. So whether they were pain, discomfort, hunger, uh, just looking for attention, whatever it was. And what the study found is that those with no experience really struggled to tell the difference, which isn't really that much of a Mm. surprise. Um, (laughs) But in good news for really new parents, uh, those with younger babies actually had the highest success rate uh, of picking those cries. And that, of course, is because they're really hearing a lot of that uh, and getting very good in a very quick period of time in responding. And also that current parents could tell the difference between cries of pain and discomfort of babies that they'd never even heard before. So it's sort of babies all over, not just their own. My only input is that I hope they paid people well to participate in this study because I'm not sure I'd voluntarily put my hand up to listen to babies crying. I get enough of it. From babies to romance, it's usually the other way around. Some local governments in Italy are trying to heat things up tourist-wise with signs that are going up in places to make it mandatory to kiss, Claire. Italy is known as a destination for lovers and, of course, because of the pandemic and a stop to travel and all of those sorts of things, it's ramping up marketing campaigns uh, to try and get back on track. And one of the things that many spots across Italy are doing are putting these signs up saying (laughs) mandatory to kiss. They're particularly in some areas that have a very nice sort of overview, whether it's of the coast or whether it's just somewhere quite romantic. What they say, though, is for non-believers in public displays of affection, (laughs) there's no penalties for disobeying the signs, which is quite good news. Uh, But, yeah, an interesting approach to get, you know, the juices flowing. I mean, nothing says romance like a designated romantic zone, (laughs) that's for sure. Squeeze the day, Claire. What are you taking note of today? We're back to the press club today. Um, Zhao Chen, who is the ambassador uh, from China here in Australia, is addressing the National Press Club. It's an interesting one to watch, Mm. of course. China's in the news a lot. A couple of big topics there. Taiwan, of course. Uh, As for me, it's a public holiday in Brisbane today. So if you're up there, enjoy the Eka Show Day and a bit of a sleep in. That's all from us. Have a good one and we will be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.